Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. And tonight, no Kyle Russo, no James Montefusco, but that's because we have a very, very special episode. I've been waiting to do an episode like this for months now. I kind of wanted three guests that had no relation to each other, that didn't know each other, going into this kind of blind. We are doing an NFC East roundtable show. And before we get there, I want to let you all know you can subscribe to our channel on Facebook at Review and Preview Sports, on Instagram at Review and Preview, or on the Anchor for the audio version of our podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. Really appreciate it. Give us a follow, like, and subscribe. So it was a really interesting year for the NFC East, and I have three guests tonight. And at this time, I'm going to introduce my first, representing the Philadelphia Eagles, is my good friend Jordan, also known as Sporty Jordy, co-host of the Onside Chicks podcast. Jordan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me back. I'm excellent. I'm definitely uh, looking forward to having you on tonight. But first, before, I know I brought you on here to talk some NFC East, but before we get there, how about you tell the people watching now where they can find your, you and your podcast? Yes. Yeah, so I am my own show. I post weekly at Sporty Jordy on YouTube. You can find me uh, on Twitter at the Sporty Jordy and on Instagram at the underscore Sporty Jordy. And then also recently in the last couple of weeks, I've started co-hosting a podcast ca called Onside Chicks with my co-host Kaylee. So you can find us at Instagram on Onside Chicks, at Twitter on Onside Chicks Pod, and then on YouTube at Onside Chicks. We go live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Awesome. I'm definitely, I just subscribed to you before we went live. So I'm Thank really looking you. forward to catching that next episode. And uh, yeah, I know you're good friends with Sam Cardona as well. So really looking uh, forward to seeing your content and talking Philadelphia Eagles with you. Obviously I'm the Giants representative in case nobody noticed, but let's <laughs> introduce, let's introduce our next guest. Our Dallas Cowboys super fan is Brian Attard from the sports box and host of the highly opinionated podcast, which I believe airs tonight, Brian. Hello, welcome. How are you? Ah, uh, living the dream, my friend. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent as a Giants fan. I know the draft is coming up, but why don't you tell the people where they can find you and your content? Yeah, so we're, we're the Sports Box. We primarily are on Facebook Live. We do have a presence on uh, Twitter and YouTube as well. You can find us at Sports Box Show pretty much all around your socials. And uh, happy to be a part of the review and preview uh, NFC East. I've been on the show before. Happy to be back again. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. And I know, Brian, you've had me on the Sports Box once before, so really do appreciate you um, as well. Doing a lot of good things over at the Sports Box. Make sure to go check them out tonight. Awesome lineup of shows. And then lastly... Our Washington football team representative is Marty Joins, the host and CEO of Intercept Your Lunch podcast. Marty, how are you? Good, good. Uh, you know, you always got to bring in the division champs last of the <laughs> NFC East preview here. And uh, again, Marty Joins, Intercept Your Lunch. How is everybody doing tonight? Doing excellent. Doing excellent, guys. And I, first off, I want to thank the three of you so much for joining me for this episode. I wanted to get three fans of the three other teams in the division that are very knowledgeable, have a lot of good insight and bring a lot of good unbiased perspectives to the division and where the division currently stands. And um, folks, before we kind of dive into this, if you do have any comments, feel free to comment in the live stream as Hank already just did. This is going to be a lot of fun. It may get a little chaotic, but <laughs> we will see what happens. 
Uh, unfortunately, let's start off with some bad news. And by bad news, I mean not really bad news for us, but for our division. Over the past four years, our division, quite frankly, it sucked. It's been atrocious, right? Uh, <laughs> how has this division become a circus? As I'm going to post a quick banner here of the NFC East combined division records over the past four years. Uh, Marty, as the division winner, I'm actually going to start with you. What's gone wrong with the NFC East as a division? Uh, I, ju- I think it's uh, stability at quarterbacks for all of these franchises. You see around the league, the perennial Super Bowl contenders year in and year out have that same constant presence at quarterback. And for our four teams over the last 10 plus years, we've seen probably the most consistent is the Dallas Cowboys. But I mean, the Carson Wentz experience is over in Philadelphia. New York is still pushing Danny Dimes. And my team just booted their first round pick from a few years ago. Dwayne Haskins, our veteran presence, and Alex Smith retired. So now we're looking forward to the Ryan Fitzpatrick era. So I think that's the reason why this division has seen so many downs the last few years. Absolutely. Guys, feel free to chime in wherever you want. Brian, Jordy, what do you think has gone wrong with the NFC East as a whole? As we're looking at the records this past year, the division was atrocious. 23-40-1. From 2017 onward, the records have continued to get worse. I don't think it could get any worse than it did last year. No, last year was uh, pretty bad. We were absolutely the worst division in the league. We were kind of a joke. There were um, other people, other teams saying that none of our teams deserve to be in the playoffs, which is true, but one of us had to make it. (laughs) Congratulations, Washington. Um, But no, I just think we're all kind of stuck in this phase. As Marty just said, the Cowboys are the most consistent, but we all kind of have holes to fill. And we kind of are all stuck in like this rebuilding period and we have our highs and lows, but we can't seem to actually get to like a consistent point where we're getting it completely together, all teams. So hopefully we all seem to be treading in the right direction. So hopefully soon we'll have more of an actual competition and not a competition for just who can be the best of the worst, but we'll see what happens. You know, I I think with the exception of the Giants, I think a lot of it's been front office issues. I think the ownership for the other three teams has been uh, lacking, to say the least. I think it's, you know, they all think they're Al Davis for the most part, and they like to interject themselves into the day-to-day operations of the football team, of which they are not well-versed, whether that's the owner in Washington making sure that they take a quarterback the coach didn't want and then fire the coach and the quarterback fails, whether that's... Philadelphia drafting another quarterback, which throws the other quarterback out of town, whether that's, you know, my owner deciding to give Ezekiel Elliott a whole lot of money for reasons I can't seem to explain. They like to get themselves involved. They get, they think it's fantasy football and the results are what they are. I think in the giants case, they, they just tried to extend their window maybe a bit too long and didn't really go into the post Eli period, maybe soon enough, you know, they drafted around kind of extending that team a little bit, maybe longer than they could have, but their ownership doesn't really seem to be much of an issue, at least, you know, from the outside looking in, but the other three, I think you can have that conversation. And I don't think it's hard to dispute that the ownership is, is a detriment to the success of the franchise. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And let's start with the division winning Washington football team last year in 2020, the seven and nine Washington football team. Marty, we beat you twice. 
but we still <laughs> couldn't make the playoffs. The biggest news surrounding you guys is quarterback Alex Smith announcing his retirement from the NFL. I want your instant, I want everyone's instant analysis on this decision by Alex Smith to end his pro football career. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we did the trade back in 2018, many folks uh, were against it, saying we're overpaying an older Kirk Cousins. At the time, he came in the beginning of that season and looked a little rocky, but led us to a 6-3 and three stretch before the gruesome injury that occurred to his leg. And him coming back, that just proves his leadership, his desire to play this game. And, you know, he played 16 games with us. It felt like a lot more, but it was only 16. And his record in that was 12-4. and four. So you can see what type of quarterback he was even in his later years. I'm glad he gets the chance to go out on his own terms and nothing but the best for him moving forward. Absolutely. Jordan, what do you think about Alex Smith? I know he pretty much came in in this division and took it over. Washington started the year two and seven, wins five of their last seven, five and one with Alex Smith under center. You know, he came in, won that game. Every time I watch like the clip of him walking out onto that field, seeing his family stand up and cheer, like it's just immediate goosebumps. Like that's just the best story. I think there should be an Alex Smith award now that he's officially retired for incredible comeback. Like that still is one of the best stories ever. So I'm happy for him that he could go out. Um, I'm honestly hoping next steps for him. I'm hoping we can see him coaching. Andy Reid has kind of already called dibs on him. And I just think he like a player like that. That's exactly who you want to be as a coach. And uh, Chase Young came out and said he was only with Alex Smith for a year. And he said that's one of the best leaders he's ever experienced. So I just think uh, that would be the next best move. And that's something I would like to say hopefully very soon. Yeah, Brian, anything you wanted to add on Alex Smith too? Listen, he, he earned comeback player of the year the second he took a snap. And I think nobody is, is, was going to dispute that. And it says a lot about his character. Look, he made his money. He didn't have to do what he did and, and risk uh, potentially, you know, paralyzing himself or having it. An, I mean, if, if you take a hit the wrong way, I mean, the, you know, the, the injuries could, you know, really affect the rest of your life. And, and to his credit, he wanted to come back for himself. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about anything else. And, you know, obviously he didn't, you know, let's all be fair. We didn't really expect Washington to really do a whole lot last year to begin with. So him playing there was not about him. Oh, I'm going to take one more last shot at a Super Bowl or anything like that. He did it for the right reasons. I think we're all happy that he made it all the way through and didn't have any other injuries. But <laughs> I think proof to himself he could do it, did it. I think now's the right time to walk away. And I do agree, he'd be a hell of a, of a coach, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him on the KC sideline. Yeah, before I circle back to Marty about Washington, I want to get to some of these comments. Sam Cardona saying hello, good friend of Hi, Jordan. Sam. <laughs> Connor Walsh and Hank going at it. The division may be a joke, but I sense a giant turnaround coming. <laughs> to see what you did there. We'll, oh, we'll yeah. talk about that in just a minute. Um Sam, I can't wait for the Alex Smith of football life. Oh, yeah. my God. It's going to be so good. Yeah. And, Marty, this kind of is, this question's kind of geared more towards you, or actually this statement. Alex Smith was probably the most consistent quarterback for the Washington football team. Take away the injuries. He's a winner, has great leadership abilities, and I hope to see him in coaching, as Jordan alluded to earlier. Yeah, yeah, he'd be great on the sidelines. He helped the young quarterbacks in that locker room last year, and uh, – I know that Patrick Mahomes gives him a lot of praise as well, so I'm sure teams are going to be biting at the bit in the next few years to try to get him on their sideline. 
Yeah, I agree. Folks, keep the comments coming. Share this podcast with your family, friends. Really appreciate all the love. Kevin, Sam, Connor, Hank, really appreciate the support. But back to Washington. A rookie running back in Antonio Gibson with 11 rushing touchdowns, outstanding rookie out of Memphis, and Scary Terry had over 1,100 receiving yards. Who the hell thought J.D. McKissick would have would have eight <laughs> catches on the season? Guys, where did this Washington football team come from? They started two and seven. They were in the gutter, and they sprouted out of nowhere, Marty. Yeah. Very yeah, impressive. It was uh... – in the beginning, it was the Dwayne Haskins experiment, and we were able to grow with the team by removing him off the field, and that ultimately what changed our entire season and outlook for this season too. I mean, we're not wasting time on trying to develop somebody who didn't want to be there, who had off-the-field concerns and issues, and ultimately we can try to find that veteran quarterback presence. We've got pieces, like you said, Scary Terry, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Logan Thomas, as well as a few others and potentially some in the draft that will help our team offensively get where we need to be because defensively we're already pretty scary and only can get better in that category, I believe. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned fourth-ranked defense. Montez Sweat, Chase Young were outstanding. Ronald Darby, I know he left for the Broncos, but you signed him for a one-year $4 million deal. That was an absolute steal. Um, Guys, the consolation prize of this division was getting a first-round whipping by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I'm going to say this. Washington did not get whipped. Washington gave Tampa Bay, in my personal opinion, the toughest competition they had throughout the entire playoffs. And that, that includes is absolutely the Super Bowl. true. Yeah, a thousand percent. They took them lightly, probably. I mean, they didn't know who the quarterback was going to be until it was there. And you listen, they did. They, they played in the toughest, and you got to give them credit. And I think that the same thing comes down to why they were successful for that run. It's coaching and quarterback. And that team hasn't had stability at either for quite some time. And the fact that Alex Smith gave them stability at quarterback, and the coaching obviously was has been a huge upgrade. And he's going in there and changed the culture very quickly. Give him, give him the high marks for that. Who yes. thought that was going to happen? And I'm sure as hell wasn't me. I, but. Me. I knew Ron Rivera was going to come in and do wonders for this team. I just wasn't expecting it to be like to start working as quickly as it did, especially with all take away his health issues, like everything he was dealing with outside of the game. Like there was so much there. So for literally when. You came out and said you're going to be the Washington football team. I could not stop laughing at this team. Like I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think they were going to be able to do anything. And I literally roasted them so much on my channel, and I had to bite my tongue and apologize because they came out the second half of that season and just proved me wrong. Yeah, hey, we yeah. were two and zero. We were two and zero against you. Just saying, we still have your hey, number. I, I will say, never we forgive have yet you. To beat Daniel Jones. We have yet to beat Daniel Jones. Right. I, I will Daniel never Jones. forgive Washington after week one. Eagles came out first half, and I was like, oh my God, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. And then we blew a 17 and nothing lead. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, thanks. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the main highlight of Dwayne Haskins' career uh-huh. here. His his first and only, and something that we will remember, but want to forget at the same time. <laughs> Guys, we got 21 people watching right now. Feel free to comment in the stream. This is this is great. I mean, I really love this. And I got to tell you, Jordy, we were talking about this, how 
back in November, I think the first time we were on a podcast together, we mentioned how the division was going to come down to the Eagles and the Giants. And remember, I was saying 70-30 Eagles, and then after the Giants beat the Eagles, I changed it to 60-40 Eagles. But then the Eagles somehow derailed yeah. like 3-4-1 to losing seven out of their last eight. I mean, talk uh, to me about that and what happened. Um. I think what happened was every single person and no, Wentz doesn't stink. No, no, <laughs> that's oh that's, my god, I, I, that's that's Ant from the sports box. He's 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 not a Wentz apologist in the least. <laughs> so it's all right. I, got I see. I am. I will defend that's, Wentz till I can't anymore. But no, I think what happened for the Eagles was every single person, front office coaching, every single person was on a different page. We, they were all, they all wanted different things. They all wanted, and nobody was communicating. It felt like nobody was talking to each other. And even like our last game, like Doug Peterson said he was going to do one thing and then ended up switching and doing another. Then you have players trying to fight our head coach. Like there was just so much going on there behind the scenes that it created a toxic environment and I don't think anybody can execute well in a situation like that so it basically came down to I think we had the talent to do fine like I think we on paper we could have taken this division and then everything just hit the fan and took a turn yeah. for the absolute worst which and it sucks because when we fired Doug Peterson I was like yes this is great now we get to keep Carson and we can continue to build around him and then everything just one after the other I never know what this team is going to do and I'm heading into it this upcoming season heading into the draft I am still I'm not confident at all I have no idea what to expect just because I don't really trust any of the moves that they're going to make so we'll see I'm hoping it's not as painful as it was last season but I'm setting no hopes because my hopes were low last year and they could not even be that. So we'll see. <laughs> I know we have some Eagles fans in the comments section too. Daniel Bakley as well. I, now I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. uh, do you like the return for the Wentz trade? I know you were one of the few Eagles fans that really were in dire support of Carson Wentz. And I actually think that the Eagles would have been better off keeping Carson Wentz, but Howie Roseman, I mean, at the Phillies game last night, they they were chanting, fire yeah. Howie. I mean, it's not even the same sport. Uh, that's bad if that's happening at a Phillies that, game. Yeah, that's not uncommon. Well, Howie, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, Howie Roseman is my least favorite person on this planet. And, like, I can – like, <laughs> okay. no doubt. Like, there's just no comparison. I can't. I said it. I think I, I might have said it on your show that if Howie Roseman gets fired, I will – throw a party, we will pop champagne, and it will be the greatest day of my entire life. Well, Jordan, to your, to your <laughs> point, to, to your point, and I, I listen, I'm, I am I believe in Carson Wentz myself. He's, he's mm -hmm. a very likable player. I am not unhappy at all that he's moved on because I can actually, you know, visibly root for him now. But th they didn't really do enough to surround him with any sort of no. talent. And, and I've made the case that if you were to compare Dak and Wentz, who were in the same draft, obviously went, Wentz went much higher, that the surrounding cast in Dallas was so much far and away better than the surrounding cast in Philadelphia, yet the results were better in Philadelphia than in Dallas, that it, it's kind of hard to say, well, is that your fault? He, he, I felt, did more with less in Philly than Dak has done with more in Dallas. So it's kind of hard for me to blame him for that. And then all the stories you hear about just, you know, the upheaval in the front office and who's not talking to who. And it's just like, it's high school. And it's like, this is not how to run a team. I think he's going to be perfectly fine in, in, in Indianapolis. Even if you think he's not as good as others do, you can go with that much better cast there. 
much better offensive line, much better defense, much better weapons. Much it's kind of hard coach. for me to say he's not going to do a lot better. Yeah, yeah that, that too. Yeah. No, everything with Carson Wentz, I just don't understand. Like, it feels like everyone forgot 2019 so quickly because 2019 we were playing, we had, and like, we struggle with injuries all the time. Like, this is nothing new for us, but 2019 was like unprecedented. And we were literally the day of games pulling players from our practice squad just to fill our roster. Like, it was insane. And Carson Wentz still got us to the playoffs. And this might be biased. I still believe we would have beat the Seahawks if he didn't go down in that game. So for him, so for him, with the way it was looking, like it was definitely, we had a chance. So for everyone to just kind of forget all of that and to say like, this is all Carson's fault when we watched what he did this season prior with nothing. Like if we, if we had any sort of an O-line, if our coaching could make any play calls that were somewhat reasonable, I think everyone would have seen the side of Carson that I still believe is there. I have a feeling he's going to do amazing in Indianapolis, but it's unfortunate. And I agree with this comment by Kevin. I think they are leaning towards a rebuild. New head coach, new quarterback. You want to hope to build around him in the draft. Um, this do team have is a, probably. Do you have a choice? In the matter? No, yeah. I. That we're still. There are still talks that we're trying to trade up and take another quarterback because Jeff Lurie is saying Hertz is our guy. Put our faith in Hertz or Hertz, and then how he is still trying to trade. Like I, when I tell you, I don't trust. I have no idea what to expect because. Like I said, every single person's on a different page. I want us at this point. Hertz was one of my favorite quarterbacks coming out of that draft last year. I think Hertz, like all my Wentz support is not knocking Hertz at all. I just didn't think Wentz was our problem and it caused more problems than it fixed. So now we have Hertz. We lost Wentz for Hertz. Now it's time to put some faith in him and like give him a chance to prove himself because we only really saw him in three games. And now for them to like not even want to do that and like to create another quarterback competition that didn't work last year, like it doesn't make any sense. I know I hope we rebuild and I hope everything goes in the right direction. I just don't, don't trust it right now. Anthony I hope we ride riding. with Hurts. Yeah, I, I mean he thinks they're riding with Hurts, but usually the problem, Jordan, is with a new coach, usually comes a new quarterback, right? And correct. I think that's correct. That's where Marty kind of agrees with yeah. here, but um, well, I, I think the hire that they made is one that's not likely to, you know, cause an uproar and demand a new quarterback. I mean, I think he's, right. he strikes me so much as happy to be there. Like he got a job. And like, like yeah. if you honestly think about everything you hear coming out of Philadelphia, is that not like one of the bottom two jobs in the league right now to go take? So I mean, you're gonna, no, you're it really is. It. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's between that and Houston to me, Houston's much worse right now, but <laughs> yeah. Like he's just happy to get a head coaching job. He doesn't seem like someone who's going to cause waves and be like, well, I need my own quarterback. So that I think played into that hire and and not somebody else who might've gone in there and said, well, I I might not be able to win with this guy. I need somebody else. And then everything kind of changes after that. Anyway. Yeah. He, Nick Sirianni seems very much like a yes man. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why he got the job because Howie's the yes man to Lurie. And it seems like now Sirianni's the yes man to Howie. So we'll see what happens. That's why like, I don't hate it. And he seems like a dork, like a total (laughs) dork, but he's like our dork. Cause like, like you said, he is happy to be there and he's like very excited. So I am, I'm going to put faith in him. Like I have no reason not to, but I just don't really know what to expect. It's like right. he he applied for the job and was surprised that he got it. Yes, yes. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna apply for this job. I'm not qualified for, it. and then he got it. And he's like, All right, now it's yeah. my time. Like, <laughs> and just remember, he was the offensive coordinator to Frank Reich. Yes, with the Indianapolis yeah. Colts. There's a connection there with that. So, buddy, buddy, 
this could potentially work in their favor, or he could just be a bridge for another head coach. But yeah. that'll be left to be seen. And I do want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys quick before my Giants, and then we'll get into some of the free agency moves and the draft. Brian, your Cowboys clocked in at 5-11. and 11. We had you on Big Blue Avenue, one of our sub-shows here at Review and Preview Sports, the week before the Giants played the Cowboys. And we both kind of said, regardless of who wins this game, we're probably not making the playoffs because Marty's Washington football team was – looking pretty at that point, but um, Cowboys lost Dak Prescott in week five, the game against the Giants, but got a massive contract extension in the offseason, four years, $160 million. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott struggled all year. The O-line was banged up. Andy Dalton managed to keep them in the mix until week 17, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this Dak Prescott contract and what it means coming off this type of injury because just looking here at the credentials is I'll pin this banner. It's a lot of money. No, no, it is. Um, look, I'm not a that guy. I don't, I don't apologize for it. Like I, I, I don't think he is an elite quarterback in the league and that's absolutely elite money. Having said that it, it's structured as best as you possibly can structure it. So I take solace in the fact that it doesn't just obliterate their salary cap. Now the hope is that by the time year three comes around and the money does creep up, the cap is much higher due to renegotiated TV deals. And really, if you look at the deal, it's kind of like a three-year deal because that fourth year, either side can rip up and he'll probably want to get paid again. Um, so it, it felt like an inevitability. I mean, they were never going to walk away from him. You know, Jerry's one of those guys, like once he decides like you're the guy, like he will do everything possible to be right about you. And that is going to play itself out in how they approach the drive, which I'm sure that we'll talk about. And they're going to do everything possible to make sure that Dak Prescott looks like a four-year, $160 million man. And whether that comes to fruition or not, time will tell. Um, but you, you brought up Elliott and the offensive line, and you're right. I think there's a correlation between Elliott not getting 1,000 yards last year and the offensive line being very much in shambles. And that begs the question, why am I paying you if you are a function of the offensive line in front of you? Because that's a lot of money. A lot of money. There's a lot of guys on that team making a lot of money. And that tends to cause issues when you're trying to field a competitive roster of 53. A couple of offensive guys primarily. And the one defensive guy that got paid, his sack numbers have fallen off a cliff. So the question then becomes, you know, who are you paying and why? And all things considered, look, if you're paying Zeke that and you're paying Cooper that and you're paying Lawrence that, if I'm Dak, I'm asking for that money. I don't blame Dak at all for asking for it. Could you make the case that they waited too long to sign him and that's the result? Yeah, I, I could see that. But at the same time, I don't I don't know that they knew that he was the guy they wanted to commit money to. And they once they decided on it, they didn't seem to care what the money was. Again, the hope is that by the time the cap number gets to those obscene levels, that the cap also moves up and helps relieve some of that pressure. Because if not, it's going to be very difficult to keep whatever team they choose to keep together, and you're going to see some cap casualties, which you might not want to see. Right, and the Cowboys restructured three of their offensive linemen. That old line is getting old now, too. They're approaching their early 30s, Tyron uh -huh. Smith, Zach Martin out of Notre Dame, Mike High, and then Lael Collins as well, another young player who – you know, quite frankly, they spend a lot of money on those guys, which means they can't fix the defense, which I know you drafted City Lamb. Dalton Schultz stepped up. He was a nice surprise, I thought. Amari Cooper, he's probably, I want to say, the best receiver in the division. I don't I don't know about now. 
Um, Marty may have. A, I, got, a I, got a guy, I got a guy who might be a little better than him, but we'll yeah. move on. Scary Terry, maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah anyway, this, this defense gave up nearly 30 points per game. How do they fix it after losing a woozy in free agency? And is Mike McCarthy the long term answer? So McCarthy, it it was what it was. Like, I don't think he was the issue. Um, He didn't really add a whole lot to it, but I don't think he was the issue. I think the issue was, frankly, his choice of defensive coordinator in Mike Nolan, who I I am not unhappy at all to see has, you know, been given a one-way ticket out of town. Um, I I think the defense will improve solely by his absence because I think he was a complete idiot. And I say that with as much, with little respect as possible, frankly, for Mike (laughs) Nolan. Um, Yes, they they lost Byron Jones. I I was not one that thought that was like this huge thing that you could not recover from. But I do think the coaching was an issue. And, you know, if I give Nolan 2% credit, it's a weird offseason and they couldn't get it to work anyway, right? So neither here nor there. Um, It will get better. We'll see what they do in the draft, which again, I'm sure we'll talk about. But I just think addition by subtraction, I think they have talent there. It's not that different from the defense that was there two years ago, which was not spectacular, but not a dumpster fire either. So it should find its way to the middle of the pack just by the nature of regression to the mean and the lack of Mike Nolan. Doc Prescott gives your cowboy hope, bud. He don't suck. Yes. He just Hope is not a strategy. better at times. Brian Attard, yeah. I don't think – I was honestly happy when they paid Dak. I love uh, – now, see, I'm on the opposite side of you. I love Dak. I think Dak – I wish – I was kind of hoping Dak would leave so I could root for him the way, like, you can support Carson Wentz now that, now that he's on the Colts. But Dak, I think we kind of saw your offense can put up 40 points and still lose a game. And, like, so clearly the problems are with the defense. So you paid Dak and you saw how – the offense crumbled when Dak had his injury. So I think you have Dak, you have all these weapons, you work on building up that defense. And then the Cowboys get to that point where they are consistently scary because you have so much talent. Like you should be a Super Bowl team. And like all the networks will say, no, it. like, I, I agree entirely, Jordy, but here's the question. Why aren't they? Is if you have this wonderful surrounding cast, I mean, coaching is its own problem and it's been a problem for a yeah. long time. We'll see if that actually got fixed or not. But why, why isn't the success better given the surrounding cast? Yeah. And I go back to Dak versus Wentz because, again, Wentz did take that team to the playoffs and that team wasn't very good. Yeah. Like I think their roster is probably is, is easily bottom five in the league. Yeah. And Wentz got that team to the playoffs. So, when you have this amazing group of talent around you and this all pro running back and this offensive line and guys who are going to catch anything you throw their way, why aren't the results better? And I look back to the last year that he played healthy. They went into new England, Philadelphia, and I forget the third one, but they put up nine points offensively and they lost those games like 17 to nine. So if you, if you, if 17 points, what your defense holds the other team to, you should win that game more often than not. And they didn't. So that's where I'm like, no, like I get fair. them. Like I get it. You're not going to let him walk, but like I'm not a warm and fuzzy about like you know what this team is. If you can't win when the guy's making 600 grand, when I was making 40 million dollars, so that's 39.4 <laughs> million less that you have to give him somebody around. And that's yeah, and, and and but like we said before, you know the problem with this division the last few years is consistency at quarterback. You saw that. I mean, the Cowboys were still somewhat competitive with Andy Dalton, so I think. Maybe leadership looked at that move and saying, hey, look, 
it might strap us a little bit. Yes, it's a little bit high, but look at the rest of the division and all the question marks that they have at that position. If we can say, and I think we all can agree that Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in this division as it currently stands, yes, that gives them a chance to win the division. And we've seen it before now with the eight teams in each conference making the playoffs. It's a it's a crapshoot. It really is. I mean, you get in and you can play with anybody. And I think that's what the Cowboys were really banking on is getting consistency and looking around the division. If you're in the AFC West, do you pay Dak Prescott 160 million with you know Mahomes? Um, the they I was at that game, Connor. They did lose to the Jets that year. I was there. That was that was not entertaining at all. <laughs> but you, if you're in a better competitive division, I think that you might try to rebuild at that position. But where everybody currently sits, I really didn't mind the Cowboys paying that money to try to chase a division slash playoff wins for a franchise who's been starving for the last few years just to get in. Right. You bring up a good point, Marty. And now quickly, I want to just transition into the Giants and get all your thoughts on the Giants before we get into some of the big free agency and draft moves. The Giants, uh, the up-and-coming team in the NFC East, I like to call them. They finished 6-10 and 10 last year, and uh, they showed signs of improvement, guys. They're, I think they're headed in the right direction under Joe Judge after that 1-7 start, gruesome start, where we lost a lot of close games. We beat Philly and Dallas both for the first time in four years. That deathly losing streak against both of them finally came to an end. I think the addition of Blake Martinez and James Bradbury really helped us out in 2020. I think those were two good defensive leaders for us. And Leonard Williams playing on the franchise tag with 11 and a half sacks and 30 QB hits was outstanding. I mean, I love Leonard Williams. I'm glad we paid him. Um, Yes, it's a lot of money, but they did backload the contract. So maybe they'll extend him if he performs this year. We'll see. But I think our issue was we had a top 10 defense, but the youth on the offense showed Daniel Jones trying to learn his fourth offensive scheme in four seasons. If we look past the touchdown passes, Daniel Jones's numbers substantially improved in year number two from year number one, especially in the second half of the season, considering the Giants didn't have Saquon Barkley all year. They, he went down in week two. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying this team, this football team was good because it wasn't but they were better in the second half of the season and they showed promise where they could potentially be a good football team in 2021. Now I want to get all of your thoughts on the giants and what you guys think we did. And if you want to smash them, go smash them. If you want to praise them, go praise them. Uh, it's all fair game here on review and preview. Yeah. I mean, uh, Gettleman took the chance a few years ago on Daniel Jones. And I think that's what still is on his, conscious and resume that's what's gonna hold him to the fire when the time comes right and i think jason garrett there is the offensive coordinator it's gotta get better this year i know he's played somewhat inconsistent but it has to get better this year um or the giants gonna have to look somewhere else because like you said joe judge has got them moving in the right direction they've got pieces scattered on the defense and on the offense that makes them a tough play every week but until Daniel Jones can get it solid, yeah, you're going to have some struggles there in New York. Yeah, I think I'll praise the Giants because I do think you are moving in the right direction. And Sam, for the Jason Garrett conversation, I think he's the one piece that you could easily lose. I love what Joe Judge is doing, and I like that 
I like the relationship that him and Daniel Jones seem to be building together because like they both came in very early. Uh, Joe Judge was there when Daniel Jones was like officially taking over this team. So I think that kind of they can build that relationship and move this team together in the right direction. And we saw Daniel Jones improve a lot compared to his rookie season, just taking care of the ball, protecting the ball. I don't like Jason Garrett. I just don't, I don't, I don't see it working long. term. I think it's fine for like a bandaid to kind of hold it over for right now. I just can't see it working long term. but I do think they are moving in the right direction. And I have to bring it up the game against the Buccaneers at the end of this season, I was working, I work in a sports bar as a server. And I just remember like my tables, I would just be like, you have to hold on a second because what the heck are the giants doing right now? They gave the Buccaneers a run for their money. And I think they just kind of showed what they are capable of so i do have hope for them do i think any of our teams are really going to come out this season and be great and super fantastic no but if anything i think i have the most hope in the giants being the most put together i I don't think you can really critique a lot of joe judge in year one i think whatever your expectations were it's hard to say you wouldn't have exceeded them Mm -hmm. um you know to, to lose barkley the way that they did and have, frankly, a better year than every year Barkley has been there speaks to the structure and everything that they've been doing offensively. And I think that the way they've approached the offseason indicates that they're very comfortable with Joe Judge as head coach and what, what he brings to the table. And I think that what they're doing is they're really removing every obstacle in front of Daniel Jones to say, hey, listen, are the kid, you got it or you don't. We need to know because right. running backs don't have that long of – timeframes with careers. And that's why I was so critical of the Barkley pick to begin with, because the team wasn't really in a position that you can go take that elite running back to put you over the top. They were really in the beginning of it. They didn't know it, I guess at the time, but they were in the beginning of a rebuild. And I don't know what Barkley is by the time they're contending again, but they need to know now. I mean, this, this is Daniel Jones make or break season. I think of all the teams in the division, the giants are weirdly under the most pressure because Washington doesn't necessarily know who their quarterback of the future is. They're going to figure that out possibly in this draft or whatever. The Eagles, I think, are just – this is the the definition of a transition year, if not transition year with an S at the end, because I think the roster is just going to be completely taken over. And for for the Cowboys, I mean, they're committed to Dak. So the the Giants, I think, again, it is such such a huge year for expectations that they need to have a winning season or – they may need to make other plans. And I think part of that might include a change at quarterback because they need someone to maximize their chances to win while Saquon is Saquon, preferably right. before they commit more money to Saquon the way the Cowboys did to Zeke and haven't seen any results since. Right. My thing is I think they're going to give um, Barkley – they're going to exercise his fifth-year option. I think that's the smart thing because you don't want to pay him right now. The problem is he's probably going to reset the running back market at some point, which – you know, you have to heavily consider that going in. And with the way Wayne Gallman played last year, it was a little confusing why we didn't re-sign him. But um, I like Jason Garrett coming back this year. Now, I'm not saying I like Jason Garrett long-term, but I think it was a good idea to bring him back this year because I mentioned earlier on in tonight's show that Daniel Jones has worked with four offensive coordinators in the last four years, and that dates back to his days at Duke. You throw in year three, new offensive coordinator – that's going to completely mess up with him uh, and rupture his development. And now this culture that Joe Judge has created, you're seeing these players wanting to come to the Giants. Who would have thought that we'd get Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, and Adoree Jackson in the same offseason? Fantastic job by Dave Gettleman maneuvering Cap, whose butt is on the hot seat too. He knows that. And uh-huh. entering year four as GM, he knows that. 
But as we kind of transition into the free agency portion of the show now, I guess we'll just start the Giants. I think we did an overall great job. I like the Rudolph edition because it puts a fire under Ingram's ass. Uh, it eliminates the option of drafting pets, but we could still trade Ingram. I don't think we will. I, the Giants love Evan Ingram for some reason. I don't love Evan Ingram. I don't. He's very demoralizing to watch. He's very fun to watch if it's one of you three watching him <laughs> drop passes. But it, it's definitely not fun for me on su- on Sundays where I contemplate throwing something at my television screen. Yes, it, he's, he's not fun to watch. And I think Kyle Rudolph is a guy, he hasn't dropped the pass in over two years. You bring him in, you bring in Kenny Galladay, they backloaded that contract, and you have an out after three. They lost Dalvin Tomlinson to the Vikings, which, quite frankly, defensive tackle, that's a very replaceable position. You didn't want to have to throw $11, $12 million at your defensive tackle when the Giants haven't re-signed the defensive tackle that they've drafted in over 20 years. So I think the Giants, I'm going to give them an A- in free agency. We lost Kevin Zeitler, cap casualty. That hurt. Tomlinson hurt. We lost Fackrell to the Chargers. But all in all, I like these additions. Afadio Denibo, too, and Danny Shelton, two under-the-radar signings. Reggie Ragland, Mike Lennon. I don't think that these are bad moves by the Giants. I think they have potential to win nine, maybe ten games next year with the 17-game schedule. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of money for Kenny Galladay, but again, I mean, he seemed to want to go there. So usually yeah. when – and the the top of the class at a position wants to come to your team, you, unless you really don't need one, you find a way to make that work. So um, is he worth number one money? It remains to be seen. We're going to find out. And we're also going to find out if Daniel Jones can play elite quarterback because he has a guy like Kenny Galladay to throw the ball to. So. Absolutely. We have a comment here from uh, Jeremy. The Giants are contenders when you got both Daniel Jones and Saquon stay healthy on offense. I think Garrett may either help push that or could break the system. Well, I think we have to fix the line. The offensive line's been an issue since 2011. We won the Super Bowl in 2011. We've gone downhill since because the line, the line's been the problem. All those guys retired. We haven't replaced them with viable options. You guys know it. Mm-hmm. We can't. We can't run the football against you guys for the most part, even with Saquon Barkley. You guys see it firsthand twice a year. Our line is the problem. You guys eat us up in the trenches. That's what has to change in 2021. But I do like where the Giants are headed. Uh, We restructured Nate Solar, which I think was an excellent move. Um, But you know what? I want to get into the Washington football team here and what they did in this offseason, getting a wide receiver that I really wanted my Giants to get, (laughs) Curtis Samuel. Outstanding signing, Marty. For Curtis Samuel, you got him. I know you lost Ronald Darby to the Broncos, but you got William Jackson too, and you got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Talk to me. Those are some yeah. good big-time moves. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we lost Darby, um, cheap signing last year, who definitely outplayed his contract, but we replaced him with a guy, William Jackson the third, which Ron Rivera alluded to, fits Jack Del Rio's defensive system a little bit better. We can man up on the outside, freeing up Fuller, to play sort of that zone slot um, to help us defensively. Like you said, too, Curtis Samuel's coming in, teaming up with Terry McLaurin. They can play inside, outside, behind the backfield. I mean, the versatility on this offense is might be incomparable. I mean, we can put Antonio Gibson, split him out wide. We can hand him off the ball. We can do that with 
Curtis Samuels as well, and J.D. McKissick. Um, another little signing for us that I really, really like, too, is uh, wide receiver Adam Humphrey, slot guy from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can stay healthy, he can be a really great piece in that slot position when you have Curtis Samuels uh, lined up all over the field as well as J.D. McKissick. So it just gives Ryan Fitzpatrick another target to spread and it'll be it'll be fun to watch scott turner offensive coordinator north turner's son he's definitely got a creative mind so we'll see what he can put those pieces into play and see what can happen you also got david mayo very yes. under the radar signing who could potentially start for you guys next to cole holcomb or whoever mm-hmm. he has starting potential so just know that he had a bad injury with us last year i really like that signing for you guys well. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. And linebacker, I believe going in the offseason is our biggest need. So bringing a warm body at this point would be better than some <laughs> of the folks that played for us last year. And then don't forget to, in the international players' uh, tryouts, we signed tight end Sammy Reyes. Um, never played before, but he is more athletic statistically and analytically than Kyle Pitts coming out of Florida. So take it for what it's worth. He's 6'7". He can run. Uh, We'll see if he can catch a ball because that's a lot different than dunking a basketball, but we'll see what he can do as well. Semi-important trait, you would think. Very (laughs) true. At the tight end position, you can catch the ball or you'll have Tom roshan you like Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's been trying for a while. He hasn't figured it out yet either. Yes. He'd be a perfect volleyball setter. Like he, that would be <laughs> his biggest goal in life. That's what it should be. But um, yeah, I really like where Washington's headed as a team. I know quarterback is a question, but that could be answered in the draft. They're set up perfectly. I think they have the most cap space in the division. Yeah, yeah heading into yeah, free well, agency around yeah, like we, 18, 20 million around that range. Well, yeah, that's, where, yeah. that's where they're at now. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's where they're at. That's where they're at now. We're still up there. We still. Have potential moves to make. I'd like to see Brandon Sheriff get a long-term deal and get off that franchise tag to free up a little bit more cap space this year. And another guy, veteran, just my personal hometown favorite, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, after the draft, they said that potentially we could talk about him coming back in. He's a very underrated player around the league, and he can stay with that defensive line that was just a terror to NFL teams all year. Yeah, I think he'd be a good addition for any team. I know the scheme is changing a little bit with Ron Rivera Mm -hmm. there now, but I think Kerrigan's been a staple there for a long time. Jordy, let's get to your Eagles. Uh, Sean Jackson, gone. Marquise Goodwin, gone. Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Mills, Nate Jerry to the 49ers, Vinny Curry to the Jets. A lot of guys are gone. I mean, you picked up Anthony Harris and Eric Wilson from the Vikings, Joe Flacco back close to his hometown, (laughs) but for what that's worth, but – Talk to me. What do you think about the Eagles and what they've done in this free agency period? So they made Anthony Harris is the one I was most excited about because that was honestly like I can actually commend Howie for that one. That was a great move. Great pickup. I think he's going to do great for us, especially like we had Jalen Mills playing safety. And if you like that man cannot play like he is not made to be a safety. Like, let's be real. So you actually get someone that can make a difference for us. Great. We had like no money, less than no money. So the fact that they were able to even make some of these moves, 
because the first three days of free agency, complete silence. And I wasn't even like everyone was like, are you OK? Like, are you? And I was like, no, what did I expect us to do? We have negative dollars. Like there's not mu- much we can make happen. But they started making some moves. I'm fine with it. Like I'm Deshaun Jackson wasn't going to do anything for us. Jalen Mills. I loved him from like a Super Bowl like fan teammate standpoint. But like as an actual player. I think it was the right move to move on from him. The Joe Flacco one, I was kind of pushing. I really wanted us. I didn't even know if this was in the cards or possible, but I really wanted us to find a way. I wanted Marcus Mariota so bad to come in and be our backup just because the way he plays reminds me a lot of how Jalen Hurts plays. So I thought that was actually someone that they could not even a competition, like literally come in to be our backup and kind of guide Hurts a little bit because I think he needs someone like that. Joe Flacco, I love him. I respect him. Great person. I like the whole storyline of he grew up an Eagles fan. It's fine. I just really don't think he's going to do anything to help benefit us like long term. I get he he can come in and kind of maybe save things if things are really, really terrible, but it's not who I wanted, not who I expected. Um, it's kind of just a band-aid. And then at the same time, we're still talking about going after another quarterback. So I genuinely don't even know what to think. I think for the little amount of money we had, for the no amount of money we had, we did fine. I'd give it a C, maybe a D plus. But I really I I had no expectations. We had no money. Like I didn't I genuinely didn't know what to do. So I'm fine with it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Steve with a comment here. I really think the Eagles need to give Miles Sanders the rock. Yes. Agreed. Well, that yeah. was a coaching problem. That, that coaching was problem. that's our play calling was literally ridiculous. It made no sense. We were they were play calling for a team that like for players that didn't weren't even on our like nothing made sense. It didn't fit the scheme. For Carson Wentz, when you know Carson Wentz is a mobile quarterback and we had no O-line, and yet all you wanted to do was have him drop back and pass. Like, it didn't make any sense what we were doing. So, yes, we do have to start giving it to Miles Sanders more because he is incredible. I, I think the general problem with the Eagles is, though, like, like th- they know what their problems are. They just can't seem to draft to fill them. They yep. know they need receiver help. They know they need offensive line, and they've used high picks on both of those positions, <laughs> and it hasn't panned out, like, at yeah, all. No. Um, I literally sat there last year at the draft and saw Justin Jefferson talking on the phone. And I was like, this is it. It's happening. And mm-hmm. then Jalen Rieger, my friend actually like had inside. He was like, and he was like, he obviously can't tell me before the pick, but he just texted me and he was like, I hope you're sitting down like literally 30 <laughs> seconds before the pick was called. And I said, yeah. what the hell did we just do? And then I heard the name and I was like, what is going on here? But we, we stink. And the fact that we're still trying to focus on the quarterback situation, it shows we can't learn from our mistakes. I sat there in the second round last year and said, we need best of it nearly every single position. Like, I literally jinxed it because I sat there and I put that into the universe. I was like, we cannot mess this up. And what do we do? We take a quarterback when we had absolutely no business taking a quarterback. And the fact is now that we are still talking about taking another quarterback, even after everything we've been through, it drives me yeah. up a wall because you can't just keep focusing on this one problem. The team is never going to grow from that. Like you've made your decisions. We got to this point. Now it's time to actually put weapons around him, put weapons around Hurts, or protect him or try and build up our defense a little bit. Like there are so many things that we can do, do anything, do anything except take a quarterback and I'll be fine. And then Sam with the comment about Joe Flacco, maybe mentor Jalen Hurts. I agree. Do agree. I ho- Yeah, I would. I hope, I hope I, w- I was kind of pissed when Washington got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Cause I would have absolutely <laughs> loved that. 
Or it's maybe they're both gone next season. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. We can only pray to God at this point. Go Eagles. Oh. Go Eagles. But yes, I'm praying. Praying for the best. <laughs> Brian, I guess you know who Jerome June is, I hope. I don't, but obviously okay. he's very opinionated. Thank you for coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's get to your Cowboys quickly and what they did in free agency. I know they were a team that did a few moves, but they didn't do too much. Sign Zach Prescott and and end story. No. Um, well, listen, I, th- th- that's where most of their money went, right? So, I mean, obviously that that w- that's that's the big move. Um, th- there was a lot of th- there. They were linked to a couple of people that ended up not ending up there. I'm actually a, a big fan of the Keanu Neal signing. He's a guy who's just had just been riddled with injuries, and you hate to see that, but he's got talent. And and, and to bring in a guy like Dan Quinn, who maybe so many guys fail as head coaches that are just perfect coordinators, and he probably fits that bill really well. Um, I, I just I think his presence is just going to change the defense in a big way. And to bring a guy like Keanu Neal in is an addition to both. He can play secondary, you know, if you need him to, but he's primarily a linebacker, but whatever he, he can do it. And I think it's, it, it's a nice addition. I'm, I'm sick of seeing Sean Lee. Sean Lee has to go. Um, I hope I don't see much of him on the field at all. Probably will see more of him than I want to. Um, but yeah. And e- even the, um, I wasn't surprised they didn't bring back Alden Smith. I am further less surprised that he's arrested again. So obviously they were able to <laughs> break the streak of having the incarcerated on, on, on the roster. Um, but it, they're, they're, they're really, they're in such a weird spot because they really didn't have that, that many obvious holes that you could go find obvious fixes to. So like, I, I, yeah, I mean, Earl Thomas, whatever, like you're just going to throw money at something. It might not even be a, a good fit because you have the money. I, you don't need to do that. So I, I was fine with them uh, doing what they did. And they let some guys go that, you know, semi-surprised in some cases. Like I thought Xavier Woods did, did well, but he got his money. Good, good for him. Awuze's um, shining moment was the way he was drafted in Philly. Other than that, he's whatever. Um, I didn't have any qualms with it because, again, the, the entirety of the offseason was always going to be giving Dak a check. And they got that part of it done, and it's structured as well as you could ask for it. So you, you take the good with the bad. And then you also two under the radar signings. I kind of like for you guys, Terrell Basham and Brent Urban from the Chicago Bears provide some good quality depth on that line. But the the, the larger problem is every look. I have my questions about Lawrence too, but if, if he's drawing double coverage and, and the other guy on the other side is getting double jib to sacks, you get the sack regardless. Like like that was what Robert Quinn did before he left for Chicago. So right. if you can get effective pass rush from the other side, you don't necessarily need Lawrence to get the sack itself to get the sack. But they didn't really have much of that. Alden Smith gave them what he gave them. So, uh, yes, low risk, but they do need to figure that position out longer term. One other thing I forgot to mention, one division signing. Um, Jordan, I totally forgot the Eagles. They gave Brandon Graham a one-year extension, longest-tenured yeah. Eagle. So he's he's still there. Still got I'm some hoping, continuity. I'm hoping he can retire as an Eagle because I know he wants yeah. that. I think the big question mark right now is Zach Ertz. Because who knows? Yeah. Apparently, like his bags are packed, and they were like done with him. But then they're not. Take uh, who knows what's going to happen. I don't want him to go, but I think at this point, it's best for him to go. Because I just think right. Philly's toxic right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think they missed the boat trading him two years ago. Uh, I know, and I was so, and I was so against it, just because I love him and he's talented, and I love him as a person. It was kind of like that. It was a Jerry Jones move on my end. Like I just loved him and I was like, no, we're yeah. holding on to him. But I think 
looking back in hindsight from like on paper, it would have been best to trade him two years ago. Definitely. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Don't tell my guys. mom I said that. She's his number one fan. Just stop talking. She'll kill me. <laughs> so let's get to the draft quickly here. We're going to go in chronological order. Cowboys are at 10. Giants are at 11. Eagles at 12. And then Marty gets to sit tight at number 19. So, Brian, I put down some of your needs. I think I've hit it pretty much on mm-hmm. the nail. The defense needs to improve if they have any chance. They have 10 draft picks this year. Now, my question is, who's option number two if Patrick Sertan is off the board? Because obviously that's the guy I think – I don't know. Do we all agree that should yes. be the selection at 10 for Dallas if he's there? Yes. Well, let me, let, me take, let me take you yeah. back in my handy-dandy time machine, back to the 2012 draft. The last time the Cowboys took a big-name SEC school corner in the top 10 ahead of a corner from South Carolina, that was Morris Claiborne taken over Stefan Gilmore. So pardon me if I'm not all in on possibly <laughs> having that happen again. Um, they've been linked together. You know, it, it, it is like almost like the semi-obvious one. So that's probably why it won't happen. That's kind of the way I kind of read these things. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, th- there's a legitimate possibility that if, if the Broncos trade up to four to go get a Trey Lance or whoever quarterback falls out of the top three and the Falcons are at nine, that they take Sertan. Um, I think if they, if they stay at corner, that's a JC Horn potentially. Um, I wouldn't take Farley that high just because of the medical. In fact, I haven't seen him play in 20 months. So I, I guess that that would be fine. I wouldn't hate him trading back either at, at, at that point. I, I, Tom, I think I said this to you like six months ago. I said, don't be surprised if the, if the Cowboys don't do some, something stupid to go get Kyle Pitts. And, that, and that's obviously on the table. And I'm dreading it. I, w- I, I would really love get anxiety the thinking about it. Don't get class- I, would, I would love the player. I think he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal player, and they need a tight end. The idea that you're going to give up next year's one to move up to go get him just doesn't make any sense to me, potentially more than that. We saw what the Niners went from 12 to 3. Assume it's a similar package, go from 10 to 4. Um, me personally, if, if Penny Sewell starts falling and he's at 6, that's a guy I'll go up and go get. You know, you, you mm-hmm. made the obvious connection. The offensive line has been their strength for so many years. Whether it goes back to the Romo years when they went with Marion Barber, DeMarco Murray, a bunch of guys who that offensive line made look great at running back. They need to go draft one at fourth overall. Another story. But that's a guy I'll, I'll go up, up and get. And honestly, if I'm there and I don't love Horn, if, if Rayshon Slater, I'm all in on getting offensive lines. I do think that they need it. And I do think, like I said, the defense will get better by default. I don't necessarily know that I need to get a corner at 10. Sertain's the obvious name. If it's Horn, I'm not going to be upset. But it, it it just feels like last year all over again, where you're walking into this draft saying the Cowboys need help on defense. And then they go do something off the wall and take a big-name wide receiver. Now, they're not going to take a wide receiver, God willing. But, <laughs> you know, it just – could you rule out Kyle Pitts? No, because it's Jerry Jones, right? So If yeah. he does that to me two years in a row, I won't make it. Like, I won't live through it because nothing – I literally said from I was like I, I, I if CD Lamb doesn't end up on the Eagles that's fine I just don't want him on the ca- and you didn't need him <laughs> you have so many like your offense is scary good you don't need him I well, swear Jerry Jones only did that so the Eagles didn't get him I, I, had I, him, like, I think could be possible. he was like sixth on their board so to their credit they stay true to their board for better or they for did. worse and Gallup is probably going to be a contract problem. Yeah, um, I'm say you know, that. so I, they're, yeah. they might be getting ahead of that a, a little bit. 
I went to Clavon Chase on last year. Look, I'm not upset having C.D. Lamb. I'm not upset having to use a first-round pick on that position when you have what I felt were other obvious needs. Yes. I mean, if anything, the Eagles should have traded up with Atlanta, given them yes. 53 to go get C.D. Lamb ahead of the Cowboys. Like I, I really wanted that so – I was like, why are we not – because that – would, imagine if we had CD Lamb this year as our starting receiver with Carson Wentz. Like, I feel like things just would have been so beyond different. Carson Wentz wouldn't have had, even if they took Jalen Hurts in the second round, I feel like Carson Wentz would have felt more secure with a steady receiver. He would have executed better. It just, it's like so many what ifs, what should have been, what could have been. Mm-hmm. Brian, what's me. your consensus at 11? Are you not going certain? No, I think I think they well ten right, but I think that they do. Okay. Yeah, I think I think they do if he's there. I I wouldn't be opposed at all to trading down though, because again, okay. you want to give me Farley at fifteen with if the Pats want to go up for a quarterback, if the Bears want to go up for a quarterback, if Washington wants to go up for a quarterback, I'm not opposed right. to that. Um, but it, it, I, they have options. I would much 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 rather they trade down unless you're going up for Pennysol. Right. Marty, what do you think? Anything you want to add on the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, Patrick Sertan's a name that definitely gets linked to the Cowboys a lot. I love J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, too. It's got to be a defensive player for me, and I'm going to have to disagree with some of the comments made in terms of trading up for Kyle Pitts. I don't believe that NFL teams should trade up for anything other than a quarterback or giving up draft capital for a position that ultimately, regardless of what they perform, they can be all pro, but if your quarterback's not at that status or level you see in the playoffs year in and year out, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, folks like that are always there, and that's what teams need to trade up to try to get. Um, if Jerry Jones wants to trade up the six and get Kyle Pitts, I'll probably clap because just for the sheer fact that he's going to give up draft capital uh, to add a piece that even if he does do great, uh, it's still going to all be on Dak Prescott. Absolutely. Let's move on to the Giants. Uh, I do agree with Marty about that point, but we have some needs as well. We pick at number 11. Edge is a big need. Offensive line, preferably guard. Interior defensive lineman, we just lost Alvin Tomlinson. And then wide receiver, I still think we could add, uh, you know, some depth there as, you know, we have to see if Slayton develops or if they keep Shepard long term. We'll see. But uh, the Giants only have six draft picks. I think Gettleman has to nail this draft. In fact, I think the Giants have to either make the playoffs or win the division for Gettleman to keep his job heading into 2022, just my opinion. Wow. Um, I think we have to win at least nine games for him to stick around. Uh, who will the Giants take at 11? I've mocked Jalen Waddle in my mock draft, but I'm starting to think there could be a real possibility that Aziz Ojolari is the pick whether it's at 11 or via trade down, the Giants have been linked to him. Um, I would prefer to take an edge rusher in the second round. I think the edge rusher class is a lot deeper in round two where you got guys like Joe Tryon, uh, Carlos Basham, guys like that. Maybe Greg Rousseau falls to round two. Not the biggest fan of him as a prospect, but the Giants are going to go best player available at number 11, whether it's Rashawn Slater, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, just because they signed Kenny Galladay, doesn't mean they take a receiver again at number 11. So I think there's a real possibility if they stick at 11, I think Waddle should be the pick. But don't be shocked if it's Ojolari. I think there's a real possibility they trade down to like that 15, 16 range for Ojolari. But if they can't find a trade partner and all the receivers are off the board, 
Ojolari is the pick at number 11, which would shock a lot of folks, in my opinion. Would you yeah. take him over Quiddy Pay? Yes, because I don't think Quiddy Pay is the best scheme fit. Um, I think he's more of a 4-3 guy. I think he'd be more of a fit for a team like the Minnesota Vikings. I like him as a prospect. I just don't necessarily think it's a fit for the Giants. I think the old scheme under Steve Spagnuolo, I think he would have been perfect. But that's just, that's just my take on that. What yeah, you like, you said, like you said, this is David Gettleman's make-it-or-break-it year, make-it-or-break-it draft. He's going to be always tied to Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. So I think he's going to try to help him out, wide receiver, offensive lineman, to Kyle Pitts if he falls, something like that. Um, I think that's the way that he's going to ride this draft out because this he knows this is his last chance with Daniel Jones. He's going to give him every opportunity to pr- improve and shine in an offense that could see Kenny Galladay and, like you said, a Jalen Waddle. But also, I do like Micah Parsons there as well, linebacker from Penn State. Um, he's a terror. He's a freak. Um, he would be a great fit there as well. Not to mention Micah Parsons did play with Sean Spencer as one of his coaches, our current D-line coach. So. Certainly, certainly. Brian Jordan, what are you guys uh, What are you guys thinking for the Giants here at 11? <laughs> I, I I have you guys going O-linemen. I have you guys with Rashawn Slater just because I think that's like you mentioned earlier in the show. This has been a need that you have needed to fill for so long. So I think and with Gettleman on the line, I think it's safe, but it's smart. It fills that need that's you desperately need to fill. And I just think it makes the most sense long term. Obviously, getting Daniel Jones a weapon, getting Waddle would not be a bad move in the slightest, taking best of at any of those positions. You can't really go wrong, but I just think filling that O lineman need is like number one. Okay. Brian, I don't think Slater's gonna be there for them personally. I think I think he's a Carolina Panther, to be honest with you. Um to, to me. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, Tom, about wide receiver, but like you, yeah. you just sign somebody. Like I get it. Ad- address that after the fact. Like if somebody goes, figure it out later. Like try to help this team as much as you can this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if they take a guy like Adarisaw, um, you know, who might be the best available offensive lineman when they do draft. And again, I wouldn't hate them, you know, moving down. I know that they don't normally right. do that, but I wouldn't hate that at all because I do think Darisaw can be had a little bit later on. But the only problem is. I think the Chargers are in for an offensive lineman too. So you run that risk yeah. that he might not get past 13. Um, it, it does feel like they were splashy in free agency. So like, don't screw up your pick. And that's an easy one not to screw up. If you get really solid offensive line help, which helps your running game, which helps your passing game and helps your quarterback longer term. I think that's a direction that they go. Um, I listen, if Parsons is there, they really got to think about it. And that's, that's, that's a long conversation. Yeah. I think they take the full, yeah. a lot of time. Um, I just get the feeling that that's the way, the way they're looking. And I wouldn't hate it for them at all if they went that direction. So you think Slater? I, Slater, if he's there, is, is a slam dunk. Yeah. I love him at 10, frankly. But I, I don't think he's there. I think he goes nine. I don't think they trade up. I think they're more likely to trade back. And if that's the case, depending what the Chargers do, they, I think if they're at eleven, I, I think it's I think it's Darisol. If best available offensive lineman, I think is the way. This is mm-hmm. this, is, this is my problem. This is my problem. The Giants don't need a tackle because they like Matt Pert a lot. Dave Gettleman, and this is where I'm going to disagree just a little bit. The Giants came out and said they have a lot of faith in their young offensive line. Matt Pert outshined Cam Fleming last year. 
And I don't want to draft a guard with the 11th overall pick. I just don't want to do it. We don't need an offensive tackle. The Giants should go best player available. We're kind of, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards where Marty was. I'm not saying you guys are wrong, but I think Marty, like the whole Micah Parsons argument, I think mm-hmm. is a good argument, the best player available. I, per, Me personally, I would rather attack offensive line in round two or three. I think that's what they're going to do. Now, would it shock me? If they took Slater, if he's on the board, no. But the problem is, where's he going to play? Because I don't necessarily want him in at right guard. I I feel like that's a position that could be filled with a guy like a Ben Cleveland or a Wyatt Davis later on in round two or round three. I don't know if Darasaw, I don't know in his pro day, like what his arm length was. I don't know if he has like, because you're looking for 35 or more as far as arms go. But personally, for me, I think best player available is probably the way to go or you trade down. But that's just where I stand with the Giants. Um, and I, there's a question from Sam quickly. I saw a mock draft that had the Giants taking J.C. Horn. And, like, can the Giants not draft a cornerback at 11? That would be fantastic. <laughs> well, I could see it. If Sertan is there, they might take him because, realistically, Dory Jackson has an injury history. Right, he filled our CB two need, but he has an injury history. James Bradbury's only signed for one more year after this year. So, if Sertan is there, I wouldn't hate it. If it's Horn, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, you can you can you can never you can never have enough DBs in this league. Teams starting base sets with three wide receivers already, and then an athletic tight end. You need folks that can run around the back end. So, if that guy's there for the Giants, Patrick Sertan, that would be. That would be a great pick for them as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Jordy, let's get to your Eagles. So right. Philadelphia Eagles, wide receiver, edge, CB, linebacker, O-line. Um, they have 11 draft picks. They have two comp picks. They traded down from 6 to 12. Uh, will they move back into the top 10? Will they stick with number 12? I think the Eagles are going wide receiver because they, yeah. if one of those three are available – uh, they did not have a single wide receiver that had over 540 receiving yards last year. But the question is, will one of those top three guys be available? I have a feeling with the way it's looking, I think Devontae Smith is going to be our guy, and I love it. I'm so here for that. I was pissed, like beyond pissed when we moved back, just because Pitts – I've been on the Pitts train. My, my grandfather is a huge Gator. Like, I've been on the Pitts train for so long. So, like, I loved him, and we were sitting in the perfect position to get him. So, us moving back, instant reaction. I was heartbroken just because I can't see it feasibly happening where Pitts falls down to 12. It's, it's not going to happen. There's too much. Like, he's too talented. There's too much need for him. So... That broke my heart. But now when you realistically look at it, we got compensation for it. We're sitting in a good position. And I really think Devontae Smith would honestly fit our team very well. I think he'd work great in our offense. Personally, I know this is kind of a hot take. I realistically, as a receiver, I like him better than Waddle. And I'm not pissed that everybody else doesn't because now he can fall to the Eagles. And I think it's going to be completely fine. Um, So I, as long as he's available, I want him to be the one they take. However... I really don't know where this draft is going to go. I still think there's going to be a lot of movement. I still think there's going to be a lot of teams that move up and move back. So I don't even really know the draft order that we are going to be seeing on the 29th. 
But like I said, I'll say it again. As long as we take best of at nearly any position, edge, O-lineman, receiver, anything other than quarterback, and as long as it's best of, as long as we don't go with someone that could easily be taken in the second round like we did last year, um, I think it'll be a win just because like we have so many holes to fill. So can't get that upset, but I think right now Devontae Smith is the guy that I want. The only thing I look at them and say is the last two years they've used a top 57 pick on a wide receiver. Like at some point, but you we're have to the see- wrong receivers. Well, no, I agree, <laughs> which makes me think they probably shouldn't draft anymore because clearly they don't know how to do that. But you kind of have to see what you have. Like if this is this throwaway year that it's, it's, it's kind of been leading to where, you know, jobs are there for the future to me, I'm just throwing J jaw and throwing Rager out there and saying, look, it's your guy's job for the next 17 games, whether you suck or you don't do whatever you can do. And just see if you can salvage anything from those picks before you continue to throw picks at it. Because like, like you said, there's so many needs that they have yeah. and they're really building more towards next year. Anyway, they, again, they, they, they put a pick into next year. They'll probably have another one from Wentz. They might do something else. Who knows? Wouldn't hate them trading down either to keep accumulating for next mm. year when they're see how many jobs they need to fill. I just I look at I, I like I keep getting like PTSD of like when the the Lions took receivers I think three years in a row in the first yeah. round it's like, yeah. it just doesn't work and like, I understand exactly like I hear exactly what you're saying the frustrations I have is they're here like they know we need receivers the problem is like we are skipping over and like you can make the argument for DK Metcalf everybody passed DK Metcalf like that wasn't an Eagles problem like that was just the Seahawks getting lucky but like last year with Jefferson like they know and like. Even last year, I wanted us to go receiver first and second round. Take so that's why Rieger, I wasn't that pissed about because I thought we could get Mims and then have like this sick duo. But they are understanding that we need receivers and they are just picking guys that are not wide receiver number ones. Like they're not guys right. that you trust to put all the faith in your offense in. So I think that's why I'm hoping. That's the only reason I'm still defending the receiver take because there are so many, you have these three great guys that if any of them fall, we'd be very lucky to get. Um, If they go receiver and it's not one of those three and any of those three are available, I will throw a hissy fit because it just doesn't make any sense. So I do understand where you're coming from, but I do think if we take one of those top guys, it would work. We're just not taking the top guys when they're available. And that's been our issue. Well, this is an interesting take from Dan. He thinks Eagles go Parsons. John G worked wonders with Darius Leonard, and we okay. have no talent at linebacker. No, I'd they be fine with that. They don't value be- linebackers at all, never have, never will. Yeah. So I w- Same I w- with the Giants. No, nah, we don't either. <laughs> we well, do it too much, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us some? <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of like I'll put him on a plane. <laughs> I. I got a hot take for that, like uh, Devontae Smith. He's he's my third ranked wide receiver, if not fourth. I just don't like his size at six foot one seventy five. I mean, you look at the league now; a lot of the big time stars are big time bodies. I mean, even like Stefan Diggs is at least two hundred pounds. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. guy's at one seventy five. Injuries are a concern. He's going to be at no help in the running game. Crack back blocks. He's going to be out there on an island. And I think that if the Eagles were to take a wide receiver, they would have to potentially go Waddle maybe. But Jamar Chase is, I think, the jewel of this draft in terms yeah. of wide receiver. And But like you said, they trade it down. They won't have a chance to get him. And I think maybe in a few years they'll be kicking themselves. 
Yeah, right. no, and that's why everyone's like, why are you so upset? Because long term, this is going to help us. But I do think we kind of, and like, it's kind of like the Dolphins. Even if the Dolphins trade back, they're sitting in the perfect position because they're having concerns with Tua. They're going to go as long with the way everything's looking, they're going to go for offensive weapons to help Tua to see if he is their guy. And that's why I was so upset that we did trade back. I see the long-term invest, like how it can benefit us later. But like right now I was kind of like, I want you to get whoever is best available for Hertz and show us if he was really worth all of this, because if he can't make anything happen with Jamar chase or Pitts, then he's not your guy. Like if you have that much talent and you still can't do anything, then you're the problem in my opinion. So I see exactly what you're saying. And I agree. I'm still not a hundred percent over it. I've just calmed down and I've learned to see some bright sides in it, but I still don't really love the move. Yeah. So probably be Mac Jones, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, my last thought on the Eagles, I I think they're going JC Horn. I don't know if any of those receivers are going to be there. If they are, they'd be silly not to take one. I think they will. But if those receivers aren't there, I think JC Horn is the guy um, I know the Broncos have been linked to Micah Parsons. So, again, it all depends. I think Parsons, Horn, one of those Bama receivers, you can't go wrong with any of them. Um, I think they're going J.C. Horn, but it'll be inter- interesting to see what they do on draft night. Marty, let's move on to your Washington football team. And they pick 19th. They do have some needs at QB, O-line, linebacker, and you could use another tight end to complement Logan Thomas uh, after losing Jeremy Sprinkle. So you have eight draft picks, two in the third, two in the seventh. Who does Washington take at 19th? I have Tevin Jenkins. I have him going offensive line. I think that could potentially mm-hmm. help them long-term. They need they need yeah. a left tackle badly. Yeah, so two things. I. All your needs on the board are exactly how not in that order, but that's who I that's who I have ranked four and second. Good riddance to Jeremy Sprinkles. He couldn't catch a cold in the winter, so I'm glad he's down there in Dallas. But my pick, uh, my number one pick for the Washington football team at 19 would be Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. I mean, he's played offensive tackle, he's played offensive guard for those guys. That's what we kind of need right now with Sheriff up in the air on a new contract, right tackle, left tackle, getting a little bit older. This guy, we can plug him in anywhere on the offensive line this year. Just get him some playing time. Just get him reps on the field. And then in the next year or two, try to find him that spot where he fits. I think he'd be a great pick at 19. Some might say it's a reach, but um, I think that the versatility that he gives us on that offensive line would be a great first-round pick. My second option would be Zaven Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Again, the, versati- the versatility of these players is what Ron Rivera is really looking forward to. I mean, this guy has been all over the field at linebacker, 6'4", 260, and can run with tight ends and running backs. I love him there at 19. And my last one, this is a big reach, but kind of a homer pick too as well, Pat Faramuth, tight end from Penn State. He's kind of got that second round grade, but I mean, if you can get a guy like that in there, he's a great red zone target. Um, pairing him with Logan Thomas, that would be great for Ryan Fitzpatrick and for future years. If we do go quarterback next year or one of the young guys like Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen gets reps this year, that would be another guy I would look at. Marty, I wanted to ask, which who's on your jersey tonight? I didn't even look at that. 
Uh, so I'm repping an old guy, Ken Horton, safety. I'm pretty sure he played for the Giants too as well. Yeah, uh, a Chase Young one's a little bit dirty right now, so I didn't want to pull it out of the wash. I wear that one a lot. That's why I asked. I'm like that number looked so f- familiar. I had to ask you because I yes. was wondering was it Ken yeah. Horton? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. I just want to make sure all of the uh, listeners tonight know I'm not. Uh, just jumping on the bandwagon. I've been here since the start and the painful years, and hopefully with Ron Rivera guiding us out to the promised land here in a few. All right. Um, that's awesome stuff. Brian and Jordan, any any thoughts on the Washington football team? They're, they're a team to look for to move up for a quarterback. I think that's yeah. the one thing they desperately need. And, you know, you can say, hey, they made the playoffs last year, and that's great. I wonder if they kind of regret that right now because if they could be a little higher in this draft, they, they could be in line to take whoever falls. Like Again, like a Trey Lance, I think would be a phenomenal fit there. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a costly move to go up and get him, but I wouldn't hate it for them because there's nothing else that's like totally obvious. Like You need to have that long-term solution there, and the longer you take to figure it out, the longer you're going to get to when you actually have a chance to contend for something. And they've put so much into that defensive line. First-round picks, I think, four years in a row – Good, good for them. It's very, very good. But I think at some point you do have to address other parts of your team. And that is as glaring need on a good team as I think there is in the league is long-term quarterback for them. So wouldn't hate it at all if they moved up. I, I'm not a Mac Jones guy, so I don't. I wouldn't say that would be a good fit for them. No. But I think if, if I do like for Lance, yeah, I, yeah. I mean that's the thing. I. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying the tank, but I'm saying longer term, you were probably better off having less wins and Trey Lance than win the division and not. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Uh, it's just, I think it's a PTSD thing for me. The first round quarterbacks have not worked out in the last few times. I mean, True. Dwayne Haskins, RG3. So when it comes to mocking, I stick to any position but quarterback. If they come <laughs> to us, I'll say that I love it and I'll root for them as much as I can. <laughs> But uh, it's it's hard to mock somebody. It's hard to mock a trade up with the past experiences of I've had, but I know a lot of other people do say that Trey Lance, if he drops out of that top four or five, starts sliding to eight, uh, a trade with the Panthers potentially could be the move. Yeah. Ron Rivera knows that team, so that they, I guess oh. he has he has the yep. numbers to call. He has some pull, oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. And before I get to Jordan's point, one thing I want to point out, you have guys like Kyle Trask and uh, Mills from Stanford in later rounds, too, that Washington could attack if those are good schemes. Certainly. I love Kevin. I love Kellen Mond, too, out of Texas A&M. He'd be a guy that I like to target in the third or fourth round as well for somebody to groom. But ultimately, we'll see. I mean, I think this is an even more intriguing draft year than last year. I mean, last year it was just insane with the COVID stuff, but – um, we still have trickling effects of that, but just the talent in this draft alone, the movement we've already seen, I think we'll see record movements in the first round because I think a lot of teams are valuing players very high, and then there will be other teams who are valuing that same player very low. So you're going to see a lot of people moving up for somebody that they had really high on the draft board, but other folks are like, I had a third-round grade on him. You can have him type deal. Now, I know Brian has to bounce off. He has to get on to his next show starting in a few minutes. So, I'm Brian, um, any any final thoughts you want to plug in before no, we let you go here? The, everybody says last year's draft was weird. This year's draft is weird because some teams mm-hmm. – I mean, Caleb Farley hasn't played a game in 20 months. Like, you, you're really a leap of faith to put a first-round pick into him. And the same thing with some of these guys. Some played more games. Some played less. Who did they play? Who did they not play? So I guess I'm kind of not surprised to see all this, like, draft trade, draft pick trade movement so early. 
I think it's going to be a wild night. I think stuff's going to happen that we have no expectation on. And I think it's going to be one of the more exciting drafts in a long time simply because of that. And yeah, listen, we'll, we'll see what all of our teams do. And obviously I'm going to root for mine and against all of yours, but good luck to all of you. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. Make sure to go check out Brian Atard on the Sports Box, 8.30 p.m., highly opinionated with himself and Mike Galetta. Really good stuff there. Make sure to go go check them out on Facebook Live, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Brian, appreciate you joining tonight. I'm going to go bash Dak Prescott now. Take care. There you go. (laughs) So, Jordan, I do want to get your final thoughts on Washington, if you had anything else. Uh, I know you were leaning towards maybe a Kellen Mond in the later rounds, too. Or, I'm sorry, I think Marty was. I know you you were a big fan of Trey Lance, big advocate for Trey Lance for that. Yeah, I, but I, so I can fully support both sides for Washington. I think it would be very, very smart to move up and take a quarterback, especially if you do see Trey Lance start to fall. I wouldn't do it for Mac Jones. I just don't have that faith in him. Um, And I also think he's probably going to go too high anyway, so it shouldn't be an issue. But if you do see Trey Lance start to fall, I fully understand that argument. But I also think you guys did very well with what you had last year. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy that can come in He's not a long-term solution, but if you're picking O-linemen, defensive guys, like if you're getting other guys that can help move your team forward long-term, I understand that. And then you have the time. You probably have a year with Ryan Fitzpatrick where next year you can then worry about trading up and or trading for somebody else in the league. So I don't think it's super pressing, but if they do make the move, spend the money to move up for Trey Lance, I also don't hate that as well. So you are sitting in a very good position because I don't think either way you can necessarily go wrong. Yeah, agreed. And I'm going to disagree with Brian now that he jumped off. Uh, <laughs> winning winning the division in, I, is never a negative to me. Ron no. Rivera is here to Especially after everything you've been through. You yeah, guys deserve to, that. Yeah, we're, we're, here, we're here to change and build cultures and playoff experience for a young team like that, even though it was at 7-9 uh, to nine record and, and limping in per se in a weak division. Uh, that experience, I think, is going to give us a boost this year and the confidence to get that taste again with some of those young, hungrier players. So I don't mind being at 19 with the outcome of last year. And I think with this year's draft, somebody could slide and we could take them at 19. Like I said, that the football team had ranked five or six on their board and other folks didn't even have them in the first round. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting. And you yes, I said football team. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys need a name. You really do. Yeah, they did a uh, guest survey with folks. Uh, you could register and they would throw five or six names out. Warthogs was a top leading one as long with the Red Wolves. I'm still on the bandwagon of calling us the football team. Uh, I think that gives past heritage to uh, what we had before, keeps our colors, keeps our branding the same instead of trying to repurpose everything and get rid of the past. Um, I'm nervous that if a new name comes, new colors will come. And as we can see tonight, I've got the best colors on in this (laughs) sports chat. Another quick question for you from the comments, Jeremy, who was the best Washington football team court? I guess he's asking who was the best quarterback Washington has ever. Uh, Oh, ever. Well, I'll say I'll 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 give them it uh, three ways. So I think the best quarterback ever in my time frame watching them, I guess would have to be Kirk Cousins. As sad as that sounds, um, like I said, that that was the most consistent quarterback play we've had since my fifteen years of watching them consistently. 
Uh, best quarterback on the roster right now, I would say, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's the answer for this season. And uh, if they do move up, I still I still like Ryan Fitzpatrick to play that mold of coming in early, taking the pressure off the young guy and seeing what happens. Absolutely. It, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, one other thing I wanted to mention to you guys before we end the show here tonight, and this is actually going to be a little fun to view. I want to give a physical graphic is how wild the NFC East has been over the past 10 years. And you may ask yourself, what the hell am I referring to? There has not been a back-to-back division winner since 2009. Um, I believe the Eagles won it in 09 and 010. Um, this is what it's been. My Giants have not won the division in nine years, so it's a little depressing to look mm. at this graphic. But um, – Jordan, your Eagles have won it four times in the past decade. Marty, your Washington football team has won it three times. And Brian's Cowboys have won it three times. So I'm hoping maybe the Giants can pull one out this year. So that's that's really tough for me to look at as a Giants fan. But I had to pull that up. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. but See, we're and- the worst division in football, but we're also very exciting because you never know what you're going to get. So and there are pros and you cons. Look- you look at that too, and uh, there's two Super Bowl champions in the yes. last ten years too. So True. I know a lot of people, a lot of people bash our division um, and see the records, but I think it's because we beat up on each other. But then when we get outside of the division, we actually are pretty competitive. And in the playoffs over the last few years, we have been uh, Eagles, like we said in 2019. Wentz doesn't get hurt. Who knows? Last year us and then same with those sprinkled throughout the last 10 years all had playoff experiences that went somewhat well now my last question to my last question to both of you here is is this and it actually kind of correlates to a question that was asked earlier by steve that i could not get to i'm going to try and find that question that he asked right now but it's along the lines of what does 2021 have in store for us the NFC East as a division. How many wins could it take to win this division in 2021? Now we may have to have this discussion again after the draft, but for now, what are you guys thinking? I'm thinking 10 wins. I'm thinking, especially now with 17 game season, I feel like not my Eagles. Like I have no hope for us, but with the Cowboys, with Washington, with giants, I think you guys are going to be more in a, a stable range so I think nine, 10 wins could get easily get you the division. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I always look at what Vegas puts out previously throughout uh, the preseason and seeing where those over and unders are right now. The Washington team is at eight Philadelphia Eagles, six and a half giants, six and a half and the Dallas Cowboys at nine and a half over and under for wins. So you can kind of see where Vegas is putting everybody and that gives us a good tell of, hey, I think 10 wins will win this uh, division. And shout out to my guy, Tyler James. Uh, if you guys love sports cards and sports memorabilia, go check him out on Limitless Sports Cards. He's got all kinds of great cards for trades and sales. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And then, Steve, just to put it out there, the Eagles under over is seven. So Yeah. They- I'd be happy with seven wins. I'd be, like, yeah. thrilled. Like, I would be very content with that. I'm not hey, asking seven. for a lot here. Seven wins, won the division last year. Exactly. 
I don't think it'll win it again this year. Barry. No, I don't either. I, no. I don't know. I, ten. I, I think ten. I agree. Ten. I'm going to go with nine for the Giants right now. I don't know if that's going to win the division. Maybe you could get a, a wild card spot, but we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. We'll have to talk again at, uh, yes. as we get closer to the season. This was a lot of fun tonight with all three of you. Who Brian is now uh, hosting another show on the Sports Box. Shout out to him. He's always doing things, but. Um, yeah, this was a fun discussion with both of you. I wanted to thank both of you on, uh, both of you so much for coming on tonight. Really appreciate the time. But before I let you go, just want both of you to plug your social media and your podcast one more time. So, Jordan, I'll start with you and then Marty. Yeah, so my own YouTube channel is Sporty Jordy. So you can find me at Sporty Jordy on YouTube, uh, Twitter at the Sporty Jordy, and Instagram at the underscore Sporty Jordy. And now every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time, I stream stream live on my podcast hosted with uh, co-hosted with Kaylee. We are Onside Chicks on YouTube, at Onside Chicks Pod on Twitter, and at Onside Chicks on Instagram. Awesome. Marty, where can the viewers find you? Yeah, yeah. Marty joins again. Interceptor Launch, our sports show, is all premised around a 30-minute show that you can enjoy while you're eating that dry ham sandwich during your (laughs) 9-to-5 grind. Uh, We have all kinds of good guests on there. Tom jumped on there a few weeks ago with us and talked uh, March Madness. But, yeah, catch us on uh, Facebook, Interceptor Launch, at INT your lunch on Twitter. And like I said, guys, we're just a fast interacting weekly show for you guys. And we always give a little side bet gambling. And uh, this week I love Colin Morikawi and Michael Wolf paired up in a duo tournament in the PGA uh, tournament this weekend, plus 300, put 10 bucks on that. You'll win yourself $84. Awesome. Sounds like an excellent, uh, outing there for you guys but i want to thank everybody in the comment section tonight we had so many comments really appreciate you all chiming in on our show jordan marty and brian again wanted to thank all three of you for coming on and a quick reminder to the review and preview fans uh remember to sign up for the 2021 nfl draft video challenge commit to your favorite team i know marty and brian are both involved in that jordan maybe we'll get you involved i'll we'll uh message each other after the show we'll see if we can get something going but it's going to be a lot of fun really looking forward to that but until then jordan marty thank you both so much for coming on i'm your host tom scavetta saying so long you've been watching review and preview here on facebook live have a good night everybody thank you thanks